Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever struggle with anything? Oh, that's a duh kind of question, right? Uh, we struggle with all sorts of things in life. We um, struggle with, sometimes there's silly things, but sometimes we struggle to get out of bed, right? And Dave's going to find that out next year when he turns 50. Sometimes we struggle with those kinds of life things. Uh, other times in life we struggle with uh, things like, you ever, ever wanted to lose weight? And we struggle with those choices and making the best choices in them, right? And those things are all fine. They're normal parts of life, and we struggle with those. But sometimes we're struggling with other kinds of things, things that really do a number on us. Sometimes we're just struggling with temptation in an area of sin that we know isn't right, but we struggle. And then we give in. And then we feel bad because we gave in. And then, you know, we're trying to work through that and we're struggling. Uh, and let me say, especially young people, young people, listen to me. This is everybody else listen to, but young people, please listen to me. I have seen this over the years, that what happens to, to you when you're young, and you grow up, particularly if you grow up in a Christian home, you grow up in a Christian home and you have this, you know, you, you've learned the right answers. You, 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 know the, you know the answers to the Sunday school questions. You know uh, basic things we believe in all. And then you try to live like a Christian. And then you find some area of your life where sin really pulls on you. And, really, and you give in. And you feel guilty and you, you, know, you, you confess it to God and, and then you say, I'm going to do so much better. And then next thing you know, you're back in the sin and you're, you're repeating the cycle again and again and again. What often happens to, to young people, one of two things happen. Actually, there's a third good possibility. One of two bad things happen. It is not unusual for a young person after trying to live this way and continuing to struggle and fail to finally say, doesn't work. I don't know if it's really true and just walk away. Many young people who walk away from their faith, it's not because they've actually had some reasoned, you know, logical reason. It's because they have continued to fail and have not succeeded, and they conclude it must not be true. The other problem is that you grow up and just accept it. It's just the way it is, just what way I am, and live with the sin and keep it hidden and covered while it slowly but surely erodes everything in your life. There's a third possibility, and this is really what this series we're gonna talk about, is how do we handle this struggle? Sometimes we're struggling with things that happened to us in our past, whether things happened to us or decisions that we made, or a combination of those things and how we feel about them and, and how it affects our life, and we struggle and struggle and struggle. And so what we want to talk about this is I try to answer this question. What's up with the struggle? What's up with this? Now, do you suppose that God has said anything about this in his word? Right? He certainly has. So, so let's take a look in his word and start 
Let's see if we can't identify what the problem is. We're going to be start in Romans chapter 5 today. And we're on it's page 1298 in the Bible that's in the pew there. Page 1298, Romans chapter 5. And, and let me, let's just, just answer the, you guys help me answer this. There's, there, there's a three-letter word that underlies the struggle and really is at the root of why we struggle. What's the three-letter word? Sin, that's right. Sin is, lies at the root of this. And so we want to say, what's up with the struggle? Well, it really ultimately it is sin. And, and whether, whether it's conscious sin that, that we are, choosing to be involved in or struggling in temptation with, or if it's sin just because the world has been affected by sin. Okay, so we deal with that stuff either way. So sin is at the root of it. So we want to see, what does God say about this so we can figure out what's up with the struggle and, and how should we see this and what should we do about it? So let's start in verse number six of chapter five, Romans chapter five, verse number six. It says, for when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Now let's just stop there for just a minute. So we understand that from the moment we were conceived in our mother's womb, we had a bent towards sin. We were spiritually dead. We weren't spiritually alive yet. We were spiritually dead to God. And so how did we live? We lived that way. We lived selfish. And so we sinned. We committed sins. We are the ones. In fact, if we want to identify ourselves in this verse, who are we in this verse? The ungodly. By nature, that's the way we are, ungodly. We're not like God. We're like us. And us is pretty selfish. Us wants what us wants. Us is willing to sin. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. And so as the ungodly, we were guilty before God. We were the ones who committed the sins. We were the one that did not give God his rightful place in our lives. We're the ones who used his name as a curse word. We're the ones who did not do with our time and our days what he wanted us to do with it. We are the ones who have not always told the truth. We're the ones who have gotten angry and hated people in our hearts. We're the ones who have, have lusted in, uh, in, toward people that we ought not to even be thinking in that way. We're the ones who've taken things that don't belong to ourselves. We're the ones who are willing to weigh out would it be worth sinning or not? We're the ungodly. The Bible's quite clear there's a penalty for that. When we die, we find ourselves separated from God for all eternity because we have been sinful, ungodly. We have not lived the way he would have us live. So there's a penalty for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. And such good news here in verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what did you have to do to have God provide a way for your sins to be forgiven and be saved? What did you have to do? Nothing. He's the one who did it. 
He's the one who loved us and loved us so much that when we're, we're still sinful and he knew we'd be sinful, he sent his son to die for us. Such good news. What's our natural human tendency with people? When do we start to say, well, we'll help you out? What do we usually say? Straighten up, and I'll help you out. And God says, you can't straighten yourself up. Let me help you out. All right. So much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So this penalty of judgment before him and eternal wrath in a place called hell, Christ came to change that. He has set us free from the penalty of sin. Is that good news? (laughs) He died on the cross paying the penalty for our sins and rose again from the dead and so that we can be forgiven. That penalty does not get held against us. Let's continue, verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So we have been made right with him. God brought us into relationship with him when we received Christ as Savior. And if you're here today and you haven't ever once and for all made that decision to receive Christ as Savior, you still have to pay the penalty. But God has provided a way for that penalty to be paid for you when Jesus died. Verse 11, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Reconciliation. Anybody here today happy that you're right with God? Do you have any relationships in your, I'm not asking you to raise your hand here, but are there any relationships in your life that are not reconciled? That's a lousy thing, isn't it? There are people that have been in my life who I've not been able to reconcile with. You know, I'd like to, but it's just not, it's out of my control. But God has overcome that with us. He has reconciled us to himself. This is good news. Anybody here happy about this today? Yes, so he has saved us. He's freed us from the penalty of sin. April 4th, 1975, about 10 o'clock at night, I said, okay, God, I get it. I'm not saved. I know I've sinned against you. I know I'm lost. I need a savior. I believe Jesus died for me, rose again. And right now, I receive him as my savior. I'm going to accept his payment for my sins. So that, from that point in time, penalty paid forever. I, you know, he paid it. It's done. I'm, I am free from the penalty of sin. Now, let's look down toward the end of the chapter. Verse 19. This for us, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. That goes back to Adam and his sinful disobedience passed on to all of us, and we did the same thing. For us, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Jesus, living so perfectly obedient, sinless life, able to die on the cross to pay for our sins. And he says this, verse 20, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. I don't want to spend too much time on that today, but let you know, when God gave all those rules to Israel in the Old Testament 
uh, he, there were there's more than one reason. He gave it to symbolize what he was going to do in Christ, but he also did it to show them that they needed a Savior. He gave them all these rules that he knew they could not keep so they would know they needed a Savior. Okay? Us too. So moreover the law entered that the offense might abound. But get this. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Anybody here today that has sinned so much you can't be saved? You know, here's, here's the thing. Now listen carefully. Some of, some of you, this is new too, all right? And, and I oftentimes, when I sit down and finally get a chance to talk with someone about Christ and the gospel, and are you ready to receive Christ? And they think, well, I'm not really living right. Because that's that natural human thing. We always think, well, no, I need to make some changes so I can get saved. You can't. You can't fix it. So, this statement is so cool. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So if you're messed up and you're blowing it and you're still blowing you know, you aren't saved, God has more grace than you have sin. He always will. Oh, that's good news, isn't it? There's always enough. And he says, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteous new eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, done deal, right? He freed us from the penalty of sin. No more struggle. You believe in that? You buying into that? Aren't we freed from the penalty of sin? Ah. So let's look a little farther. Romans chapter 6. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Hey, God, who likes God's grace? Okay. And wow, where sin is, there's more grace. Hey, let's get some more grace, so let's sin. That's the question. By the way, sadly, there are people out there who teach that. Don't listen to them. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. And that, the, the translators always have a hard time translating that sufficiently. Uh, it's, it's, it's words that say, just may that never even be, not even, you know, any possibility of it. The old King James Version tried to make it so clear, said, God forbid it. God forbid So we ought not to do that. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it. Now that's a phrase there, we who died to sin. What does that mean? Well, we've just moved from the issue of the penalty of sin to the power of sin. The power of sin. Does, does sin, have you ever known anybody besides yourself that you could say, wow, sin is powerful, it has grabbed this person's life and is slowly but surely squeezing the life out of them? The power of sin. And he just says here, just gave us a hint that, wait a minute, we aren't, we aren't under that power anymore. We're not controlled by that power anymore. So let's read on. He says this. He says, or do you not know 
that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Now, you, know, you come from all sorts of backgrounds and you're thinking what does baptism mean and all this. Uh, some of you know this. Some of you have been through our courses here and know this. What is the root idea of this word baptize? Somebody say it. Immersion, when we're talking water, it's a little even a, a, low, a more foundational meaning that. Okay, we're going to have to put you back in the class again, right? It means to be put into. And that's why when we talk about water, baptism with water, we what? We immerse. We put you into the water as a picture of Jesus' death. Okay? So, it means to be put into. So when he says, therefore, we were, ba- or excuse me, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, it means we were what? Put into Christ. Okay, so when, when we receive Christ as Savior, we are somehow rather spiritually put into Christ. And he says, that means we were put into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him when we were put into him through baptism. We were put into his death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And so we think when we come to Christ, and we think rightfully so, when we come to Christ and we get the penalty of sin, freed from that, that somehow our life ought to change, shouldn't it? It ought to, shouldn't it? And that's what he's telling us. It does change. We were put into Christ. And so in a sense, we died with Christ, but now we rose with Christ, and that means we have a new life. Let's continue. Verse 5, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. And by the way, he's not talking about future. We're going to have a future resurrection. He's not talking about that. He's talking about now. He says, right now you were put into his, in a sense, into his death. He says, therefore, we ought to expect that in our lives it ought to be like his new life. Knowing this, that our old man, and when he uses the old man here, he's talking about that old, deep down inside of us, dead to God spirit. What we would call the sin nature, the root of the sin nature. He says, that guy died with Jesus. I am really glad that's true. That old guy, yeah, let's just don't go there. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So here's the picture. The idea is when somebody dies, we take that person and with the body, what do we do? We bury them. It's put away. Contrary to zombie movies, they do not come back. <laughs> I've never watched one of those, okay? I, I don't want you to think, well, Pastor Wall watches zombie movies. No, but they, when they, the, so that the body of sin might be destroyed, might be rendered inoperative, might be put away, it's gone. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. So see, that's communicating that idea of the power of sin again, isn't it? Slavery in sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, this seems kind of a funny statement. Do you realize that people that die don't sin anymore? They're freed from it. All right, so the picture here is telling us that when we received Christ as Savior, not only was the penalty of sin 
where we're set free from that. It also says that we were set free from the power of sin. Set free from the controlling power of sin. We might think, you know, we feel like sin has control over us, but the Bible says it doesn't. Let's keep reading. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So this is how, okay, freed from the controlling power of sin. How does this happen? How do we experience this? If we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. And remember, we're not talking about something in the future. We're talking about how we live and what we experience right now. He says this, verse 11, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So he says these things are true. Now, it says, let me just ask you a clear question. Did he say that you died to the controlling power of sin? Did we read this here? That we don't have to be slaves of sin anymore? Did we read that there? We, that's what he says, right? Did we see any place where he said, you're going to feel like you're free from the controlling power of sin? He didn't promise that. There's a reason why he didn't promise that, and we'll be getting to that. But the reality is that you, if you've received Christ as Savior, you are actually free from the controlling power of sin, and he says, you need to reckon that to be so. Okay, it's true. All right, I, I accept that. It is true. I am free from the controlling power of sin. There's a lot more we could look here, but let's do this. Let's jump down to verse number 17. It says, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, before you received Christ, you were a slave of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. The idea is what it was delivered to you is entrusted to you, the doctrine. What's doctrine? Well, that's some hairy statement on, you know, somebody's website and their organization. No, doctrine is, is what we believe. It's, it's the teaching of the Bible, what we believe. And he says this, you have experienced freedom. He's talking to the Romans here. He says, you've experienced this freedom. You are no longer con ha uh, um, slaves to the controlling power of sin. You are free from it. You have experienced this freedom. Why have you experienced this freedom? Because you obeyed from the heart the doctrine. All right. Now this tells us something. Do you want to, and you don't have to raise your hand, but do you want to experience freedom from the controlling power of sin? Then you have to obey the doctrine from your heart. Now, it's interesting, obey the doctrine, that sounds weird, doesn't it? If you tell me not to steal, okay, I can obey that, I can not obey that. I get that. But how is it that I can obey? You're free from the controlling power of sin. How do I obey that? Will you believe it and act on it? Now, so you want to put that statement up there if you would, John. Obey what you believe. Now, as I was, well, just, let's just jump to the, where we need to be with this. Which word do we typically, if we were looking at this statement, would we think we really need to work on? The obey. 
right? That's what we would typically, as humans, think, right? Okay, obey what you believe. The reality is you already do. You already do live out what you really believe. Do you believe you're free from the controlling power of sin? Yes, it's on my, it's on my list of doctrine. Yes, I believe that. And along comes sin. It says, you know what? You know what this will do for you? You know, this is going to make you feel good. This is going to make you look important. This is going to satisfy some need in your life and you start to go, oh, huh. And what do you believe at that moment when you choose to step into sin? You believe those things, don't you, at that moment. Not saying it's rational, not saying it's logical, but you have believed something that's not true and you've acted on it and you're going to experience it. And so the emphasis that we need to work on, if we're struggling with, okay, God says I'm free from the controlling power of sin and yet I, I find myself continuing to sin we want to say, okay, I need to, I need to do better. I got to obey. I got No, what you have to start to do is say, wait a minute. What am I believing? What am I really believing? Because you will obey what you believe. The Romans, these people he's writing to, experienced freedom. Why? Because they believed they were free, and then they, they obeyed what they believed. Am I losing you guys here today? If I am, it's not your fault. It's mine. I'm honestly asking, do you feel like you're tracking with what I'm saying here? Or, okay. So we need to focus in and start to really work on this idea of believing what God says is true and what does that really mean? Because then what happens is along comes temptation and sin pulls at us and we, we oh, yeah, and we say, wait a minute. First of all, what it's telling me isn't true. It's not going to satisfy me. I know what God says. This is, the sin is not going to satisfy. I feel good for a little while, but it's not going to satisfy, and it's only going to bring greater troubles. Also, oh, but, but I, feel like I, I feel like I don't have any choice. Wait a minute. That's a lie, isn't it? I do have a choice. I am now able to make a different choice. You see what I mean? You say, wait, you, you keep working. Wait, here's what I really believe and then you make a different choice. Now that, that just settles it all, doesn't it? So once you, you go out of here today, say, I get it, and no more struggle. You think? No, uh, sin, let me say, before you got saved, I'm not gonna, we don't gonna take the time to look at the verses, you can read on down after that. Before you got saved, sin was easy. Did you struggle to sin? There was no struggle before you got saved. Now, you might have felt guilty for some reason or you didn't like the consequences, but when it came time to make a decision, it was easy. <laughs> because that's the truth about who you were. But once you got saved, God has freed you from the controlling power of sin, and now you've got to struggle. All right. Well, let's see what God says about this. Because the reality is, does sin still seem easy? I'm not saying does it seem good. I'm not saying does it seem helpful. 
I'm asking you a question, does sin still seem easy? Does it still feel easy to do? Am I the only one? So go over to chapter 7. Verse 15. This is the Apostle Paul. The great Apostle Paul. Holy man of God. True? Absolutely. Verse 15. He describes his experience. He says, For what I am doing I do not understand. This is a guy who just wrote to us all about being freed from the controlling power of sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, it's what I, I really think, I, I know I want to do, he says, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. And verse number 19. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Struggle. So what in the world is going on? Here we are. We are freed from the penalty of sin. The Bible says we are freed from the controlling power of sin. And if the Bible says it, is it true? Is it true? Even if I don't feel like it's true? It's always true no matter how I feel. So I'm freed from the penalty of sin. I am freed from the power of sin. Why am I still struggling? What's up with the struggle? Okay, well, let's look at Paul tells us in verse number 17, he says this. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 20, now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find in a law that evil is present with me. The one who wills or the one who wants to do good. What we are not yet free of is the presence of sin. We're free from the controlling power of sin. We can make a different choice. But sin is still present. It still pulls at us. It still lies to us still gets us into binds that we don't know how to get out of. Now, we're not excusing ourselves here, okay? It's not my fault. It just happens. <laughs> no, because you've already been told you're free from the controlling power of sin, right? Can you make a different decision? You believe that? If you believe, if you really believe it and keep believing it, you'll act like it. But the reality is we're going to continue to struggle because we get lied to all the time by sin. And it appeals to things in our mind and heart that we haven't yet addressed and it becomes a big problem. So, I guess we should just resign ourselves to the struggle then, huh? That's pretty lousy. Is there any hope? Well, I'm not going to tell you how to deal with it this week. Jeff is going to pick up here next week and try to answer this question. What's up with the struggle? What's up with the struggle? But I do want to give you some hope. Let's read verses 24 and 25 of chapter 7. 
O wretched man, which means miserable man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death, this struggling thing? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin, there's a struggle here, an ongoing struggle. Am I ever going to make it? Well, then he says this, verse chapter 8, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. But look, no condemnation. You're struggling, but if you've received Christ, there's no condemnation. But there is something to this struggle. There's something that you need to understand about this struggle. There's a way you need to respond to this struggle, what you need to believe about it. And like I said, we're going to pick that up there next week. Okay? So you want to be here. But I would say this to you today. If you're here today and you've never settled the first thing, the, the freedom from the penalty, can you put that slide back up there, John? The penalty, power, and presence of sin. If you've never received Christ as Savior, if you never nailed that down, you need to, or none of the rest of this can you experience. Let's bow our heads right now, okay? Close your eyes. If you're here today and say, you know, I, I see, I know I've sinned. I have sin in my life. I struggle with that. And I've never received Christ as Savior. I've never once and for all done that. I've heard of him. I've known about him. I know something, but I've never really settled this issue. And I want to today. If that's what you're saying, then... Just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I encourage you to pray along with me in your heart, in your mind. God knows what you're thinking. If that's you today, you said, I've never once and for all received Christ as Savior, and I want to right now. Pray along with me. Say to God in your heart and mind, say, God, I know that I've sinned. And I know that my sins have separated me from you. And I know that the penalty for sin is eternity in hell. I do believe that Jesus died for my sin and rose again from the dead. Right now, I receive Jesus as my Savior. Right now, I accept his penalty, his, excuse me, his payment for my penalty. Amen. Amen. So let's keep our heads bowed, eyes closed, just a little bit longer. If you made that decision today, I want you to act on that decision. Okay, because you're going to believe what you, you're going to obey what you really believe. I want you to act on this decision. In just a moment, if you prayed that prayer thing, I'm going to ask you with no one else looking around, just to raise your hand and, and indicate to me that you prayed that prayer with me. It's your first step as a new Christian. So, if you just prayed that prayer with me to receive Christ, nobody else looking but me, would you just lift your hand up in there? Yes, I see that one, I see that one, I see that one, I see that one. Others? Thank you, Father, so much for these four who indicate they prayed today. I pray, Father, that, that this will be very real in their lives, that they'll grow in this, Father. I pray that they'll connect with us, that they'll let us know that they, they made this decision today so we can help them and, and help them to grow and learn. And I pray, Father, that all of us will, will take to heart today 
these truths that we've seen, that we are really free from the penalty of sin. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Father, help us to really commit to the truth that you've told us that we are really, really free from the controlling power of sin, even when we really, really don't feel like it, that it really is true. And then prepare us, Father, for what else you have to say about this struggle. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.